Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Yo, what's up? It's your man, Sean Weatherspoon, M-I-Z-Z-O-U. And you're listening to the Mazad cast. Now, you need a hobby, like golf or something. This show is terrible. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bug's for you, Mizzou. They are carving up this LSU defense. They don't get no better than that, man. Now Cook's gonna throw the deep ball, and Burton's past the defense. Touchdown, Luther Burton. 47 yards. To place, kick is up. It is. This is the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans. Welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dub dubs? We are coming to you after a Missouri bye, which we won, Colin. Yeah, we won the bye. It was our Super Bowl, as everybody knows. <laughs> Yeah, the bye tweeted at us all week. Yeah, they uh, said Mizzou even got any fans out there. The only reason that we won the bye is because it was our Super Bowl. That's right. And so, but we pulled it off. Missouri, after our big bye win, is now 7-1. and And we're looking ahead to what I think, Colin, we can probably, without putting our tongue in our cheek, can say is our Super Bowl going to Athens, Georgia, to take on the number one Georgia Bulldogs you know, there was talk a couple of weeks ago that maybe Missouri was the trap game for Georgia where Mizzou could be the team that knocked Georgia off, especially after what we did last year. But I feel like after Georgia systematically dismantled Florida in the world's biggest cocktail party, all that talk is gone. Vegas had his opening up, I think his 15 and a half point underdogs was up to 17 points at one point. I think it settled down to 16 and a half point underdog to Georgia. They ain't thinking we're going to win this, and they think we're going to get blown out, to be honest. So where do we lie? Are we the team that's going to upset Georgia, or are we going to lose by three scores to a vastly better football team? Who are we? I don't know if this is the jaded Mizzou fan in me living the uh, mantra of the pessimist is never disappointed, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, oh, we're not going to win. Like what I, what I want is a good showing. Yeah. You know, what I want is to 
to scare George enough that people don't just dismiss us out of hand. It's like, oh, just Missouri. They're overranked. No big deal. You know, because if, if truly if Georgia sticks to the line and we get beat by two touchdowns or more, that's exactly what everyone's going to do. They're going to say, oh, same old Mizzou. And for those of us that watch this team week in and week out, we know this is not same old Mizzou. It's not that we couldn't beat Georgia. There's certainly, I think that we could. I, I think there's a... There's definitely a world that we live in where that could happen. I'd feel better about that if we were playing at home. I feel like going to Georgia and winning is a against the while they're ranked number one in the nation is might be a little bit of a big chore. Yeah, I don't think they've uh, lost and, at home in like thirty games or <laughs> yeah, many many years. Uh, I mean, I don't know if any Mizzou fan who's like, oh, we're going to win this game and just doesn't have any doubts in their mind is looking at it objectively. Mm-hmm. You know, I know Brett Sarver thinks we're going to win the game. Sure he does. But, but you know, he systematically dismembers people. So, I mean, like, <laughs> That's right. where are we going to put his prediction? It's, he's a straight-up crazy person. That's right. Yes, he is a, he's a serial killer who consumes <laughs> the, the flesh of his victims, and he also loves football. So where does that go on sort of the uh, respectability list and how you, who you can trust and who you can't? I don't know. But here's my thought on this game, Colin. I, I think it's a long shot, but obviously it is a long shot. They're really good. They're at home. They've won the last two national championships, and they're playing their best football right now. These are all bad things for Mizzou, <laughs> really bad things. We're also crazy good right now. And there are things that are stacked up in our favor. I think that no matter how we played against them last year and no matter how much Kirby Smart talks up how they almost got beat by Missouri in Columbia last year, they won that game. There's only so much motivation you can provide for players, some of whom weren't even on the team then, for a game that you ultimately won. So I don't think it's going yeah. to get them all riled up in the same way that it would. Yeah, get 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 up, boys. This team almost beat us last year. <laughs> right. We I, almost lost. I know that's the narrative they got to push because it's the narrative. But I think the narrative in the SEC world that is much stronger for Georgia people is, who the fuck is Missouri? We always beat Missouri. There was one blip on the radar in 2013. But other than that, we don't have any problem with well, this Missouri is- team. Yawn. And that's the attitude I hope that they have, because that's when Missouri does its best. Who was that turd burger who went on Feinbaum and basically took a steamy hot loaf right on the chest of Drinkwitz and the Mizzou program? <laughs> yeah. I, his name escapes me. Yeah, he was an early candidate for Douche of the Week, obviously. It was a weird position to have where Georgia has everything. They have two national title rings. They're number one in the country. They're widely respected by everybody. And he still felt it was... I really got to shit on this Missouri team. I really got to take a huge steamy fucking shit on this Missouri team. Weird. Well, weird. Brittany, you were on the um, the Woods Water and Mizzou podcast this week, and you, I, I watched, and I, uh, you said it best. Or like, he, what he was really aggravated about was the fact that Mizzou was being mentioned in the same breath with Georgia. <laughs> That's right. That was you know, like Mizzou is something offense. you talk about at the end of the show in the last five minutes to check the box, but they're not. I mean, we don't talk about them in the opening. We certainly don't talk about them with regards to Georgia and to do so is offensive. uh, Yeah. It's, it's, it's like screaming, you know, some racial epithet in the middle of a NAACP awards. His name's Mike Griffith. He is from uh, dog nation. Uh, Maybe I should send out a thing. Say if he wants to come on and defend his position. (laughs) I'd love to have him on after we were to beat a Georgia team. And, and let's just talk about this for a second. It is possible. It, it's not likely, 
But unlike a lot of years, it is possible things are going to have to go Missouri's way. Georgia's going to have to make mistakes. Luck is going to have to be in our favor. And we're going to have to play with a lot fewer mistakes than we're prone to do. And we're going to have to do something we haven't done all year, which is to play four quarters of football. Because as good as we've been, we have lapses. We tend to have lapses. And we can't afford to do that in this game. But it's college football. And there are times where teams do the unexpected. And the unexpected here would be to play four solid quarters of football for Georgia to sleep on us a little bit. And if that happens, there is a window of opportunity and I'm ready to have my heart broken, Colin. Yeah, me too. I I feel like Missouri, maybe we're too pessimistic. I, I mean, obviously what? the line is 17 and Las Vegas seems, <laughs> tends to know this stuff somehow or another. But I just, I feel like we're better at quarterback. I feel like we're better at receiver. I feel like we, when our defense plays the way it has for the last seven quarters, is better than Georgia's defense. I mean, there are, this is not, a year where Mizzou goes to play Georgia and all over the field, Georgia is better. You know, their defensive unit's better, their offensive unit better. Their every player across the board is superior to Mizzou's athlete that lines up across from them. That is not this year. But the scales are tipped in Georgia's favor. They're always gonna be. There's they're blanketed in five-star recruits. Kirby Smart's a great coach. But there are definitely boxes on Mizzou's side of the ledger that we can check and that's not something we can say before and this is not a you know yeah georgia dismantled florida but florida sucks this year yeah they fucking straight up they're straight up tank cheese tank cheese if i had to coin a term yeah they're and um, and so it's like well yeah of course they demolished them and they may beat us but i think what may surprise a lot of SEC fans who watch this game who maybe aren't Missouri fans or maybe not even Georgia fans is it may be their first look at Mizzou and I feel like there's a real chance that even if Mizzou doesn't win this game they may land some some body blows that buckle the knees of Georgia and may scare some other SEC teams like holy shit did you see that haymaker Mizzou just threw that's right that guy just he just he just pooped his pants a little bit (laughs) and uh, that's that's what I'm going for that's my realistic expectation for this game. Now, my crazy person, I do a lot of drugs. Expectation of this game is we win. Here's the thing about Georgia coming off this Florida victory, 43-20, to 20, like I said, dismantled Florida. But as you said, Florida sucks. Florida is not a good football team. And they sure, they won 43-20. to 20. To date, I think it's Georgia's most impressive win. So hopefully maybe there's a letdown. The week prior, Colin, they won big again to Vanderbilt. 37-20. They still let the Vanderbilt Commodore score 20 on them. Let's just not leave that out there. Kentucky, they dismantled 51-13. Great win over Kentucky. You know who else had a big win over Kentucky? Missouri. Those Missouri Tigers. Then they had a really close squeaker, 27-20 win over Auburn, who I don't know if you've been following Auburn much, Colin, but they fucking suck. And then they dismantled the University of Alabama Birmingham, And then they won 24-14, kind of okay, against a terrible South Carolina team. And then they beat Ball State. And UTM, let's just say University of Thick Mamas. I like a thick mama. It's uh, it's a letter school, 48-7. So they don't have the most impressive resume, even though we do know that they're an impressive team. And when they've been asked to win a game, they win the game. But this will be Georgia's biggest challenge to date. And so 
they they will probably be up for it. They should be. That's what number one teams usually do. Kirby Smart has his teams ready to play. But you look at Missouri's resume, and it ain't so bad either. And so I, I am like you. There's a little animal that lives deep inside of me who I try to squish down as much as I can. He's called optimism. And he says, maybe Missouri wins. And I say, shut up, you stupid little animal. You don't know anything. You're always wrong. You're always wrong. And uh, the rest of me. You told me when I grew up, I'd have a big cock. (laughs) That's right. And it just stayed small, you bastard. It'll grow. It's just little now. No, wrong. (laughs) You're wrong then, you're wrong now. But he's got a mega horn right now. And he's saying, maybe, maybe, brother, they'll win. And uh, shut up, little animal. Shut up, optimism. I don't like you. You're, you just break my heart. Uh, but That's he's right. he's there, and he exists, and he's marching all over inside of my giant, giant stomach. So I don't know. I'm, I'm excited about this game. It's I think part of the reason we're excited, Colin, is not just the chance that we could win, but it's the biggest fucking game, the most consequential game Missouri's played in a decade. I just hope that Blake Baker brings the heat. And maybe Georgia, having seen the last two games, will be more than prepared for you know, blitzes and all-out pressure, maybe they will. But I feel like if Mizzou's going to win this game, that's what it takes. You're going to have to get to the quarterback. You're going to have to first turnovers. You have to impose your will. You have to set the tempo for the game. And you can do that with the defense. So even if your offense starts a little slow, as long as you can keep Georgia on their heels, we know this Mizzou offense is good. We know it'll heat up. There's going to be times when they score. I just, I really want to start looking at this Mizzou team like we looked at that what year was it, Brennan, when we had Michael Sam and Shane Ray and all those guys up the middle and we were just fucking wrecking people's ass? No, it's 2013-2014. Yeah, and I, that's, I was like, I think this defense might could be that. You know, I think if we really turn up the heat, and yeah, maybe we get beat over the top by Dominic Lovett. That would suck. That would be heartbreaking. That would stomp your little optimism creature's balls. Yeah, he's but been kicked a lot in life. I'm willing to take that gamble. And I think that part of the reason Mizzou has looked so good against Kentucky and so good against South Carolina is because we've thrown caution to the wind and we've brought the dogs. And I think that's why the offense has worked better because Drinkowitz has taken a back seat and they've opened things up a little bit. I think, you know, dare I say the fans have been right. You know, we have been too conservative. We have been... We've played scared, basically, for the biggest part of, I feel like, the Drinkwitz era. And this year, we finally have sort of – and maybe it took Drinkwitz seat heating up to the point where he's like, okay, maybe I am going could get myself in some trouble to be like, okay, we're going to take the, the, the restraints off and we're going to go for it on offense. We're going we're gonna to have a vertical part of our passing game and we're going to bring the heat on defense because, I mean, we looked – we watched that soft zone. I mean, I watched – maybe sick against that LSU, but I haven't seen much of it lately. That makes me just feel more optimistic. Like, don't look at Georgia different. I know they are different. I know they're number one in the nation. I know they're a tremendous team. But don't change who you are because Georgia is good. Be who you are. Bring the heat on defense. You know, throw it down the field on offense. And if you come up short, well, fuck it. Okay, but at least you don't leave that stadium with regrets because you played tight or you tried to change what you do, or you got conservative, which is something that I feel over the years that, I mean, Drinkwitz even did it in South Carolina. You know, we got a big lead, and then he came in the second half, and he started doing that fucking run, 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 run shit. And it wasn't as noticeable, because when it gets to third and long, 
Cook did a terrific job of completing passes and continuing to move the chains. But Drinkowitz was trying to get us to go three and out over and over again. Yeah. And maybe I should be blaming Kirby more. I don't know whose decision it was to get conservative in the second half. And I'm like, why are we going away from, I mean, score 70 on these motherfuckers. Let's do this. Quit it. And so I know that there's part of me that has a concern that Drinkowitz will overthink it and decide to change what's worked, to change his game plan because it's Georgia. I don't want him to change a thing. He had said in his pregame presser, because Drink didn't take questions during the week, Blake Baker did, that uh, he was going to go man-to-man, and they were abandoning their zone. So I'm um, hopefully, Colin, they're, they're taking your advice. And I Well, want- I mean, if I can see it, then the coaches should be able to see it. I don't get to watch the all 22 film. You know, I don't, I don't sit in the meetings. I don't, do, but just watching at home on a couch on a television, I could see like, man, this fucking zone sucks. And we are a lot better when we go heads up on the outside and bring pass rushers. Like it's not hard to see. I mean, if I can see it, then a coach making millions of dollars ought to be able to. Colin, I want you to get out your, your Kleenex and your lotion because I want to play a game of what, what, <laughs> of what if. What if we beat okay. this team? What if Mizzou goes into Athens, gets a hard-fought win, ends up 8-1, and one, we're looking at three games left on the schedule, and we just took down the number one team in the country? First question is, where do you think we fall in the rankings? We're currently 14 in both polls. You beat number one, and where we were going to rank. I think we could jump as high as like sixth. I know that'd be a huge leap, but I mean, beating number one Georgia at their place, it'd be hard to deny that. And everybody's going to be watching these games. I mean, you can tell by some of the talking heads that go on to Feinbaum or game day, you know, when the conversation turns to the SEC, they're still not paying any attention to Mizzou. Like, oh, Mizzou's having a nice run and they'll make some sort of offhand comment about Drinkwood's being a good coach or Luther Bird and like these sort of very, you know, epidural layer of knowledge of our team. You know, I mean, they know who the quarterback is. They know who the five-star wide receiver leading the nation and receiving is, but they don't know anything else. And that's where I see most of the analysis at. Mm-hmm. So I think, but all of those sort of smarmy douche pumps are going to watch this game because it's Georgia and yeah. Mizzou is seven and one. And so if Mizzou starts landing those body blows that make um, Georgia squirt in their pants, that's going to be a revelation to them. In addition to having won the game, they'll start seeing what Missouri actually is versus what they imagine they are in their mind and are too you know, dismissive to you know, watch and change. So I, I think it could be a huge jump. I, I don't know if it'll go to all the way to six, but I certainly think it has to be a big jump, right? Because they've done what no team has been able to do. <laughs> they have done. They will have done what no team will have ever have, hasn't done in years and taking out Georgia and especially taking out Georgia at home. That's a huge accomplishment. That's a career defining win for, it's not just a season defining win. It's a career defining win for Eli Drinkwitz. If Eli Drinkwitz wins this game, he is a guaranteed lock to coach in the sec somewhere else someday, right? Like he, he, his resume is built at that point done. And it's a, it's a program defining win. I mean, you can expect recruits to fall in line. You can expect the guys who are on the fence about transferring out to not transfer out. It is a big damn deal. And then you start looking ahead. And then you see you got Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas. And the first thing that'll pop in your head is none of them are as good as who we just beat at home. And you get really cocky 
and you start thinking about crazy thoughts, things that nobody should ever say, like 11 and 1, you know, really crazy things. That LSU loss continues to look better and better. And Jaden Daniel, I hope he wins the Heisman just because it makes that Mizzou loss look even less bad. I mean, and it wasn't a bad loss. I mean, we should have won that game, and we almost did. But if if you lose to a good LSU team who has a Heisman Trophy winner on the roster, I don't think there are very many people going to count that against you when you start having to tr- figure out who gets to go to the playoffs. Yeah. No, I mean, you win a game like this, and it literally there's no ceiling on your season. That's what it ultimately means. It changes not just your season, but it changes your program. It, it could be program-defining. I mean, we talked about this – you know, moving ahead of South Carolina, moving ahead of Kentucky, you know, getting out of the middling bubble. Yeah. And maybe this could be a permanent change of residence, you know, because of, of Wade Drinkowitz is recruiting. And nothing would make me feel better about that change of residence, like that we're moving on up, a la the Jeffersons. Well, we're moving on. Into a better neighborhood if we beat Georgia, number one Georgia at home. And man, imagine if we get our first playoff berth. I mean, this it's we are going full fantasy right now. But oh, yeah, well, that's why I told you to get the lotion. It's inconceivable. You know? Yeah. Well, it's and Colin, not inconceivable. We've been at this point before in our lifetimes. And every time the little optimism guy that lives in my stomach says, maybe, talks to me that way, he's always been wrong. And it, it's happened. When we took on Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship, if we win this game, you yeah. know where it sends us? It sends us to the national championship game. He was so wrong about that. Um, he talked mm-hmm. about, you know, what happens if we beat Auburn in the SEC championship game? Maybe we can do it. And no, we could. He, it was wrong. He even told me that we could beat Alabama the following year in the SEC championship game. And I never believed him then uh, because he was wrong. Missouri, when we've had these moments, we've never been able to take that next leap. And this is one of those games where if you do it, you do. You take that next leap. You're a different style of program than you always have been. And uh, everyone in the world will know. We we stop being the pinky. You know, we get to be the two in the pink, not the one in the stink. Sure. And we get to we get to be an index finger. I want to be an index finger, Brennan. No more of this pinky business. That's right. Yeah, we flirted with the pink before, but we've always ended up in the stink. <laughs> a truer analysis has never been spoken. <laughs> well, Colin, uh, it's a little bit of a different show since it is the bye week. We're looking forward to this week. Uh, obviously, we're building our hopes up to levels we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be feeling this way, but we do. Chris Doring from SEC Network, he's even going to talk to us about this upcoming game. And then, Colin, I believe we have a special guest who's going to be up next after the break. You want to tease that out or just let the fans wait and tittle? Well, Brian, I think you already told them what is happening, haven't you? Yeah, I guess I have. I, I don't know if uh, our listeners have a better memory than me, but mine's no longer than my pecker. Yeah, we've got, a, we've got our old friend Barry Odom from the now UNLV Running Rebs football program. Got that team to heights they've never seen before. We haven't talked to Coach Odom since he's moved to Las Vegas, but I'm sure he's got a lot to tell us about. We'll get to all of it after the break. This is the Mazzotcast. (laughs) 
Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. wanting to mention this for some time, but I think it's the time is finally right. Mizzou's hot, and uh, I've been working on a project that I talked to you about, but I hadn't talked to the listeners about for, I don't know, the better part of a decade. Anyway, it's a book about Mizzou football. In particular, it's a book about the 1960 Mizzou football team. And if you don't know anything about the Mizzou football team of 1960, I didn't either at first, but when you're looking up historical records in order to take dumps on other fan bases to talk about who has the better program, you'll see very clearly 1960 Mizzou went 10 and 0 yet were not national champions. And I wanted to know why. And so I did a lot of digging. I interviewed former players from Mizzou and wives of former players who had passed on. I'd pulled up, I don't know, stacks and stacks and stacks of old newspaper clippings. I've got sitting next to me the Orange Bowl program from 1961, where Missouri won its first Orange Bowl. They were the number one team in the country for the first time ever. They had their first ever African-American player. A lot of crazy, interesting stories in this season. And I found it fascinating. And I had to get, I wanted to get that story out. And I wanted to get these guys' stories out. But I also don't know how many football fans or Mizzou fans are kind of into sports history. I love it, but I know not everybody. It's not everybody's jam. But if it is, I think you'll find this to be really fascinating. Um, I even had a publisher lined up years ago to put this out. But my luck being what it is, their warehouse burned down with all their inventory and they went out of business. So I was like, well, you know what? I put all this work into this story. I want it out in the world. So why don't I just self-publish this thing? I mean, a lot of people do it. It's gotten easier than it's ever been, even though I don't know how to do it. So if you do know how, uh, send me a message, mazodcast at gmail.com. And I want to put this out in the world, whether it be audiobook or paperback or hardcover, however it goes, I'll let everybody know. But I feel like now is the time to announce it with Mizzou as hot as they've been in a long time. And I hope that people are taking interest in it because it, I put a shitload of work into it. And I think it's fascinating. I really do. So it's going to be called Respectable Roughnecks. That is the term given to the team by Bob Bragg, who was the sports writer from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch in the 1960s. I'll put more stuff out. First, I'll do it on Patreon, clips of the you know excerpts from the audiobook, as well as parts of interviews from former players. And like I said, 50 hours of interviews that I've got recorded from some of these guys who are no longer with us. So, I mean, it's the only first source original historical information about this team left in my that I know of. So anyway, there it is. Book coming out by me about Mizzou football and the best season they'd ever had. And what, frankly, the thesis of my book is they were national champions in 1960. And there's every reason to believe that. It's just not in the record books, according to the stupid Associated Press, if you want to read more. You, we'll, we'll be tweeting about it. It's going to be in our Patreon. That's the story. Yeah. 
Wow, Brendan, a uh, historical book written about Mizzou football by the Mazad cast. I, I, I'm afraid Dave Matter and Gabe Diarman may never stop throwing up. <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that when it's out and if people read it, they will. I think they'll like it. Not because I'm such a great writer, but because it was such a great story. And maybe there might be people that will kick themselves and say, why didn't I do this? Because this is a huge part of Mizzou football's history, and it's a lot of people just don't know about it yet. So anyway, I'm, I'm excited. I'm also writing a book. It's actually an illustrated book. It's my. It's going to be a, a lot of drawings. Uh, it's about eroticism. I, it's untitled that far. Details to come, guys. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Colin likes to scribble and shit, and he figured, why not publish it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, so there you all, all good things. All right, Colin, why don't we move along? I mean, we promised a lot of interviews, so why don't we get to our first one? Old friend of the show is on the line, Coach Barry Odom from the UNLV Rebs. Are you there, Coach? Hey, man, what's going on? You got Barry. Talk at me. Coach, it's so good to hear from you. As we mentioned, you are a head coach once again. We haven't talked to you, but congratulations. And congratulations to the wonderful season you're having, 6-2 and two with UNLV, taking them to new heights. Yeah, boys, hey, good to hear from you. Been a long time. Wasn't sure you guys remembered me. Uh, you may not know this, but I coached Arkansas for a spell before I ended up here at UNLV. Yeah, Arkansas, they're, they're not doing so well. I don't know if you've been following along with them, but... Uh, Man, I thought that... I thought uh, Arkansas was a gaping asshole of a place to live until I moved out here. <laughs> Las Vegas is a gaping asshole? Well, I mean, it's full of prostitutes, which, yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, But, man, it's in the fucking desert. You know that? I didn't know that. It's fucking hot here. Yeah, yeah, you and, yeah Las Vegas is, in fact, in the desert. I'm surprised you hadn't been before. To Vegas? That's right. Well, I mean, I've been here, but I didn't, I'd only been inside a casino. I didn't know it was so, you know, deserty and whatnot. Yeah, well, I, you know, you mentioned to us many times as you were Missouri's coach some of your hobbies while you were here, but uh, has that changed now that you're in the desert environment? What have you been doing while you're in the Las Vegas area with your free time? Oh, you know, same old, same old, you know, indoor soccer. Sure. You can hunt coyotes out here, which is nice. Rattlesnakes. Obviously, though, like I said, it's a it's a smelly, gaping asshole of a place, so I, I head to a sandals quite a bit when the when the missus has free time, and so do I. I mean, they try to they try to doll it up, you know, with their casinos and whatnot. They got this thing called the spear now, just a big ball. It's creepy as shit, man. It's scary, really. <laughs> yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it's like an entire screen that changes all the time. It's amazing, really. Yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're not uh, terrified of it, especially if you're doing peyote in the desert, as I so often am, it can be quite scary. Yeah, I'm sure that adds to the experience in some way or another. But let's talk about your football team, Coach. How have you done it? You uh, have only lost to Fresno somehow and uh, Michigan, number two in the country, Michigan. Other than that, you're six and two, three and one in conference. Uh, the Mountain West is getting shaken up by Barry Odom and his UNLV Rebels. Well, I'd say the long answer would be, you know, exceptional coaching. The short answer is peyote. <laughs> and then, you know, I guess there's also, uh, I mean, like the day I got out here, Hit the slots hard. Come out big. Really help with the NIL stuff. <laughs> so the slot machines have contributed to NIL money to uh, Vegas, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I sat down with a bunch of boomers and uh, cleaned up. Did you know whores are legal here? <laughs> yeah, I think it's the second time you mentioned the prostitutes. Yes, they. Uh, that's a, it's a Vegas thing. Or I guess not a Vegas thing, but uh, a Nevada thing. 
No, it's certainly not a Vegas thing. I can tell you that from firsthand experience. <laughs> it's the first. It's the legal part now. That's the new. That's the new stuff. Yeah. Of course, I didn't pay for it at Missouri. <laughs> I mentioned Arkansas, Coach. You know they're struggling a little bit. Sam Pittman, your old boss and company, are not having a great year. I don't know if you followed them very. Well, that's closely. strange to hear because it was my understanding it was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have any bad blood, do you, with the Razorbacks? Oh, no. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, it was all my fault, and now they're winning lots of football games. So why would I be sore about it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's good that you never carry grudges wherever you've been. No, I mean, not at all. I'm a enlightened or what have you. Sure, sure. Yeah, we've always said that about you, Coach. You're six and two now. You're bowl eligible. I have no idea where they're going to send a UNLV in the bowl season. Do you have any preferences? Jamaica, I hope. Yeah, uh, I got a resort down there that I really like. It's called Sandals. I don't know if I've mentioned it. Yeah, I think, I think so. the boys really like it, and uh, I know me and the misses do. Anyway, that's my that's my hope. I don't know if there's a bowl down there or not, but I'm. Uh, Fingers crossed. Sure. <laughs> sure. I'm not sure about the Jamaica Bowl either, but uh, we're rooting for you always. The one thing I've been trying to get to, I guess, but I haven't quite heard from you is your team is playing so well. What's the secret sauce? Like, what have you done to this UNLV team that's made them so good? Man, I don't know. We're just playing good. Hey, but I was going to tell you, have you been to Vegas? There's this thing called Circus do Frito-Lay. <laughs> Man, it's crazy. These guys get on poles and trampolines. They jump around. They're all painted up. It's crazy, man. It's like one of the most impressive things I've ever seen. Yeah, Cirque du Soleil, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, Cirque du Frito-Lay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the football team, you got you coach them? Yeah, right? they're great, man. They're great. I'll tell you what else. There's another show down here, and you're not going to believe it because, you know, Barry Odom likes, likes the ladies, but it's called Thunder Down Under. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it's worth watching, regardless of whether you like dongs or not, because these guys got some impressive dongs, and they're all from Australia. So they all talk with this funny accent, and they all have massive Johnson. The only thing I would do to punch up the show a little bit, you know, give a little more spice, is I'd have them fight kangaroos, you know, punch them and shit. You know, because I know kangaroos, I've seen videos on the TikTok, you know, kangaroos can be aggressive. And I think some of these huge schlong dudes fighting a kangaroo would be a pretty good show. (laughs) Yeah, it's good advice, I guess. Uh, All right, Coach, thank you. I, I don't want to bring up other, you know, dig up old bones anymore than I already have. But have you been following Mizzou and how the, they've been pretty successful this year? They turn, seem to be yeah, turning Yeah, Drinkwitz seems to be, uh, he seems to have the, the train on the tracks. Of course, not harder to have the train on the tracks when Barry Odom recruited all your players. Oh, well, I don't know if he's recruited all your, the players, Coach. In fact, a lot of those guys have gone on and, uh, you know, Luther Burden. Oh, I think big... you're wrong about that. I'm pretty sure all those guys are mine. Okay, well. I, specifically remember speaking to Luther Burden's parents in his living room. <laughs> I don't know if the record will prove that to be true, but... Agree uh, to disagree. Okay, agree to disagree. Sure, sure. That's a good way to end an argument when you know you're wrong. Agree to disagree. But hey, boys, I hear a knock at the door. It's my uh, masseuse. Wink, wink. Okay. And uh, <laughs> I'm right. going to get my cock massage. I mean, back. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations again, Coach Odom. We hope to hear from you again, and uh, good luck getting to that Jamaica Bowl. Yeah, thanks for having me, boys. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. All right, Colin, this is an episode full of guests. Joining us next will be Chris Doring from the SEC Network. Yeah. How is that guy still coming on this show? Clearly doesn't listen. <laughs> he clearly doesn't. Uh, but goddamn, it's nice to have him. Sure. 
Joining us now is Chris Dorn from the SEC Network. Thanks for being on the show, Chris. Yeah, it's been a while, man. Good to catch up with you again. Yeah, this is probably one of the bigger ones Mizzou's had to talk about in a very long time, so we're really glad to have you. Number one, Georgia at home versus the number 14, Missouri Tigers. It feels good to say number 14 before yeah. Missouri Tigers, but I don't know how much longer we have to say it. The spread, I think it opened up at 15 and a half. It went to 17. I think it settled in at 16 and a half. Vegas thinks Missouri doesn't stand much of a chance against these Bulldogs, and certainly there's good reason to think that might be. But what's your take on how this one might unfold? Yeah, certainly. I, I just experienced uh, what I thought was uh, a ready for primetime uh, uh, alma mater here with my, my Gators going to Jacksonville and getting a little exposed. Uh, yeah, I think that's the fear that Vegas and probably the public has for Missouri. Uh, Kentucky was thought to be a challenger. They went to Athens and got disposed of easily. Florida, kind of the same thing. Uh, but the thing that I think about as it relates to, to Missouri's chances is I look no further than popping in the tape from last year and telling our players, like, look, this is what we did. For 55 minutes, we had the national champions on the ropes. We played a more difficult, gave them a more difficult game than probably anybody else outside of Ohio State last season. We can match up physically. We're better offensively now. We have a more experienced quarterback. We have a diverse group of receivers. We got a physical running game. Uh, why not be able to go in there and, and give them a ball game and see how things fall in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I think Missouri, pro it makes me feel better to know that nobody's expecting Missouri to win. I think uh, the lower the expectations, the better the mindset for an underdog. But one thing I wanted to ask you before we even get to the talk about Georgia is just sort of the team that has become for the Missouri Tigers. They started out the first three games in their non-con schedule. They didn't look that impressive. South Dakota, Middle Tennessee, Memphis won those games, but not in decided fashion. And Brady Cook kind of looked you know, like he did last year when he had the torn yeah. labrum. Uh, all the balls went to Luther Burden. They didn't move it around. The offense looked sluggish. And then it's like a switch has flipped for this Missouri Tigers team. And they look, they have looked dominant in conference play yeah. and they've looked so much better. And I just, in your time as a player, as an analyst, have you seen teams like this where they night and day, like a, go to bed, you're one thing and then you wake up and you're another thing. Is it the coaches? Is it the player? Is it the mentality? What do you think it has been for Missouri that they've come on so strong of late? Yeah, I like the way you phrased the question to begin with. You said, let's talk about this team because that's exactly what this group of players has kind of evolved into a team that has complementary aspects to them and, and has a lot of different diver diverse parts to it. You, you asked me if I've seen this before. I feel like we thought, saw this last year with LSU. As bad as they looked in the opening game to FSU, how they got steadily better and better, how they kind of peaked uh, it just in time for that game against uh, uh, Alabama in, in, in Baton Rouge last season. Um, you know, this is a team that, that I think is, is on an upward trajectory. And when you're a team that hasn't really been in this position before, it takes – you may think you believe and you may, you know, have confidence, but until you actually see tangible proof of what's possible on the field – I don't think you really 100% buy in. And I remember my, my days in Florida, we were trying to, to get better to ascend to an SEC championship type program and, and had some bumps along the way. But uh, the more that we were able to win, particularly on the road, the more confidence that gave us. And so I see a lot of that in this Missouri football team. You know, I want to credit uh, the coaching staff. I want to credit Eli Drinkwitz, first and foremost, for having the wherewithal to decide that maybe it's time for me to give up the play calling duties. Couldn't have chosen a better guy and Kirby more than to come in and, and give him the opportunity. I've been really impressed with the play design and aggressive play calling that, that Kirby Moore has utilized this season. I think as a player that really 
uh, gives you a shot of confidence when your coach is, is able to, to say, hey, here, this is what we're going to go do. We're going to be this kind of attacking football offense and, uh, and trust the players to go execute. Uh, Brady Cook has been just fantastic this year in terms of operating the offense, knowing where to go with the football. But more importantly, I love the accuracy and ball placement with which he delivers the football, knows exactly where to put it to, to keep the receiver in the right spot, but also keep him from taking the big shots too, for the most part. So uh, just really impressed with, with that side of the ball, what they've kind of developed into. On the other side of the ball, the defense, another going into the season, I think Missouri thought the defense was going to be far and away their strength and they had their struggles early as well. But we saw the, that uh, the soft sort of zone that, that Missouri had been running They've gone away from it. They've been playing a little bit more man. They've been attacking the quarterback against South Carolina and Kentucky, and they've really looked like a much better defense. I'll say three quarters against Kentucky because that first quarter against Kentucky, uh, it looked like it could go the other way. But since that time, the last seven quarters of football for Missouri, that defense has been aggressive and they've been effective. And one, do you expect to see more of the same sort of that attack the quarterback mentality against Georgia? And two, do you see this Missouri defense as being, I don't know, on a par with the offense, or has it just been a good run for the last couple of weeks? Yeah, you know what? I think some of that time will tell. Uh, I'm a fan of, of Blake Baker. Uh, you know, the, the turnaround uh, last year, you know, from when he took over that defense and they were just abysmal against the run and, and Steve Wilkes' season there in, in Columbia uh, to what they became last season was really impressive. I like the way they've built their line of scrimmage on that side of the ball. Uh, as we talked about earlier, going toe-to-toe with one of the best offensive lines in the country last year in Georgia was an impressive statement that they made. Uh, but I, I go back, you talked about some of the, the aggressiveness against South Carolina. Um, I, I would go back to the K-State game. And remember when K-State kind of went right down the field early on and then Blake Baker started bringing blitzes and, and trying to harass the quarterback, forced the throw that got tipped and, and right into the hands of a K-State receiver. But from then on, I felt that, like they did a good job of being a little more attacking uh, defense. And I, I've never really played defense at a high level, but I have to imagine just like the offense, as a player, you want to be part of an uh, attacking, aggressive style of play. Sitting back and playing zone to me is kind of a passive kind of mindset in a lot of ways. So I, I do like the fact that they played a little bit more man. Why would you not with that great tandem of corners that you have? Um, but I, I do think that it sends a message that, you know, we're, we're not going to, we're going to get beat being aggressive. Like I, I've always thought it, it, it much rather have somebody beat me over the top being aggressive than just sit back and, and take a, a thousand cuts by paper and, and lose that way. So against Georgia, no doubt if Missouri were to somehow win this game, it would be one of the bigger wins in program history. It would certainly set the season on a unexpected trajectory. What do you see would be the keys for Missouri to do what a lot of people might think is unthinkable and pull off an upset road win against the number one team in the country? Yeah, I'll go back to kind of a lot of what I said last week. I, for some reason, drank the Kool-Aid and felt like Florida was going to upset Georgia. I think Georgia kind of reestablished themselves as uh, a team that that um, is a, a legitimate national championship contender. And the schedule in the first half, you know, was was what it was. I don't think a lot of people were able to really glean how good they were, but I go back and look at the way they were ready for Kentucky scoring, you know, their first six possessions of that ball game. You talked about the the fast start against Florida as well. You know, I think that's what you kind of got to do is, is, is punch Georgia in the mouth early and, and maybe stun them, uh, forcing some turnovers. You go back to the Auburn game. Auburn was plus three in the turnover margin, set up their offense in some short field situations, which I, I think benefited 
Auburn, particularly with their offense struggling the way that it did. But I think the good thing I look at for uh, Missouri's offense this year is that they have had the big play. And I think you have to hit some big explosive pass plays against Georgia's defense if you're going to have success. So I'd say the big things would be turnovers, forcing some of those turnovers, be aggressive, force Carson Beck to make some uh, mistakes that he hasn't made this year, and then hit some explosive pass plays on on offense if you're Brady Cook. So what are you looking for the rest of the season? Final question. Missouri's season has has been a success so far. They're seven and one going up against Georgia. Unlikely to win, but it's it's possible. We're all rooting for it. How do you think Missouri ends up looking at Tennessee and Arkansas and Florida ahead on their schedule as well? Do you think this is a team that I mean, best case scenario, you know, the sky's the limit right now. Yeah. But but where do you realistically see this Tiger team ending up? Yeah, it's a tough task going to uh, Sanford Stadium and winning this week. Um, there's no shame in losing that game, and that's not saying that they can't go in there and win the game. Uh, it, it's a challenging schedule, too. I mean, you know, I think you're, you're talking about a finishing with an Arkansas team that, um, you know, kind of has nothing to lose at this point, so that's a little bit dangerous. Uh, Florida took the L against Georgia, but, you know, they got a tough run coming up with, with uh, Arkansas this week and, and, and going to Baton Rouge before going to Como, so um, yeah, I think you catch Florida at a good time. Um, I, I legitimately think this is probably a, a nine and three, ten and two type season. Um, and I think you're going from from six wins the last couple of years to elevating to to potentially winning nine or even double digit wins. That that that's a, a a great progression. And I think it actually is proof of concept. You know, it's one thing for Eli Drinkwitz to sell to recruits. Hey, you can come be a part of this. We're going to be not only a, a contender in the East, but have an opportunity to potentially be a college football playoff team. But this thing expands next year. You know, you're talking about if you can go 10 and 2, you got a great shot at getting into the mix. And I think you have an even better chance of playing in a college football playoff than you do playing in an SEC championship game, given the talent at the top of the conference. So I think this is something that, that will help uh, Eli Drinkwitz and his staff go out and say, this is what we're building. Look at Luther Byrne. He stayed in state. Look at what he's been able to accomplish, not only as an individual, but as a guy that's, that's playing in some really meaningful games in November. Well, I said last question, but I just thinking about what you just said. If Missouri has a 10 win season, if Missouri looks really good going, completing their schedule, you know, they had the 13, 2014 seasons where they went to the uh, conference championship. That's easy enough to look at as a fluke. Gary Pinkle is sort of maybe a generational coach for this program. But if Missouri is, is that good, you know, 10 win good again, twice in a two or two spans in a 10 year period. What does that do for the other SEC schools as far as like that? You know, it's easy to dismiss Missouri. They're the newcomers. Are they Vanderbilt? Are they, you know, the Mississippi State or the Kentucky? Are they the lower tier in yeah. the conference? If they're able to do that in, you know, in a decade span, a few times, come up and bite people. What do you think that does for the average SEC fans thought process about what Missouri is as a program? Think about Ole Miss as well. Ole Miss, I think, has a chance to get to 10 wins this season, too, and, and kind of be in that mix if we're projecting to next year and what a college football playoff might look look like. Um, I, I think it provides a lot of hope to the other fan bases. I also think you know it, it shows that you have to have some patience. And I love the uh, administration's commitment to Eli Drinkwitz, giving him that extension when a lot of people thought it, it really wasn't warranted. Uh, the belief in the construction of the, the, the program uh, was making some headway. Um, you know, I, being a Florida guy, like there's a lot of frustration down in Gainesville right now and, and folks wondering whether Billy Napier is the right guy. I look at Florida State, you know, a lot of Florida State people wanted to get rid of Mike Norvell and, uh, you know, they're finally hitting their stride there. So I think it takes patience 
I think sometimes when you have you know the success, the jump that that Josh Heupel in Tennessee did uh, from 2021 to 2022, it, it sets an unrealistic expectation. But I think the fact that that the balls are back, kind of in the mix of potentially having a 10 win season, shows kind of what's possible. And and um, you know, I think it's hope in a day and an age where the college football landscape has changed so quickly uh, with NIL and the transfer portal, showing that you can kind of overhaul your team and and in a matter of a season or two. I think it gives a lot of hope to, uh, to to programs in the SEC that maybe aren't part of that top tier Alabama, LSU, Georgia uh, group right now. Thank you, Chris Dorian. Again, you can see him every week on the SEC Network. We appreciate you being on. We're very excited about this week. So um, we'll have all Mizzou eyes glued to you on TV, I'm sure. Yeah, it's great being back on with you guys. And I love uh, what Eli Drinkwitz has done there, the program. It's been a fun storyline. I look forward to continued success. And that's some listener music coming to us from Shoot Up Baby. It's called Gotta Go. And if you want to get your music on the air, send it to mazodcast at gmail.com. We'd be happy to play it for you. All right, now, Colin, why don't we uh, move along to Kansas news? Well, I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. First story, a Wichita couple was on a walk when a family of skunks crossed their path. Okay. Bell and Puga and his wife, Deb, that's a name, were on a walk when something unusual crossed their path, a family of skunks. The couple was walking in the Riverdale neighborhood of Wichita, Kansas, when the mama skunk with her six skunk children, or kits as they're known, scurried across the street. I have to admit, it was a total surprise, and they were plenty close to us, Puga. God damn, this is news? This <laughs> in Wichita, Kansas, yes. As the striped skunk started to cross the road, Pugo began to take video. In the video, now posted on Facebook, the seven skunks are seen crossing the road. About five seconds in, the skunk mom jumps up the curb before the rest of the family followed into the grass. The skunks. Did any of the skunks at any point sexually assault a cat who had been painted across its back? <laughs> while uh, trying to court it in French. Yeah, exactly. Any of that happened in the video? Well, let's get to this. Uh, the skunks scampered past a row of trees before crossing the sidewalk and continuing into the neighborhood and out of view of camera. Charlie Cope, a biologist with the Kansas Department of Wildlife, Parks, and Tourism, told the Wichita Eagle he's certain the seven skunks are all part of the same family, in case you were worried. This is really just the story, Colin. I'm scrolling... Gotcha. Some people saw some skunks. <laughs> it's a 500-word story. Parks yeah. Department encourages... I saw a skunk the other day on the road. Uh, should I call the local newspaper? <laughs> Apparently, in Kansas, that's the, uh, the height of news. The Department of Natural Resources encourages people to vaccinate their pets because of the risk of being bit by a rabid skunk. In Kansas, the striped skunk often accounts for 80% of animals that test positive for rabies. Was this just their long-winded way of getting people to vaccinate their pets for rabies? I don't know. There is no point to that story other than some Kansas folks. Well, I hope 
they don't. I hope they want their fucking pets to uh, have microchips put in them <laughs> because of the the skunk rabies vaccine. Yeah, don't get you know into the- Bill Gates is behind it all. <laughs> don't get into the hot politics of animal rabies vaccines, Colin. It's already enough microchips. All right, pets. I'm sorry, Brian. You know I get you know I get worked up. <laughs> I've got a. Yeah, I'm in a Facebook group. They've really opened my eyes. I've done my own research, if you will, and <laughs> I know that this whole skunk Fauci vaccination rabies thing is all just a bunch of hokum. It's about control, Brennan. It's about control. <laughs> it's a pandemic. Yeah, I think the real story here is a family of Kansans saw some skunks and didn't eat them. <laughs> yeah, I, Brennan. I mean, just because they doesn't say they tried to take those skunks home for a meal doesn't mean they didn't try. Yeah. All right. Next story. You know, Colin, I feel like anytime there's an animal story on Kansas, the part they leave out is the part where the Kansas molest the animals. Brendan, I think that the, the bestiality or animal molestation just sort of goes without saying, and there's no reason to be redundant. Yeah, there's only so much ink a newspaper can afford. All right, next story, the Kansas versus space invaders. These factors would go a long way in helping Kansas residents survive. Turns out Kansans would fare better than most Americans if space invaders attacked, a study says. Casey Nichols, Governor Laura Kelly's press secretary, said she's not surprised. In a state full of opportunity, it wouldn't be hard to find ways to be resourceful, Nichols quipped last week. Kansans are some of the hardest working people in the nation. Just look at our agriculture industry, she said. Governor Kelly... This makes no sense. I mean, first of all, there's a million variables that haven't even been established yet. What kind of space invaders? Do they have weapons? What are we talking about here? How do you know Kansans are going to survive? I mean... What the fuck are you talking about? Well, I don't know what this study is. I assume this lady's talking about the video game from Atari Space Invaders, which is the newest video game available in the state of Kansas. Like, are Kansas going to be less easy to vaporize? I don't understand. Like, who are... <laughs> There's a lot of uh, a context that this would require to establish that Kansas in some way would be better at surviving. Well, let, let's, let me help you uh, to understand this, Colin. Kansas finished 15th among U.S. states in a survey done by New Jersey Casino, an online marketing company for the New Jersey casinos, which ranked states after looking at resources that would help them survive an alien invasion. New Jersey Casino published the survey results after David Grush, a former intelligence official, said this month he had classified information about the U.S. government storing intact and partially intact non-human aircraft. Grush alleged the information was being withheld from lawmakers. So this is just some some fucking crackpot theory by a casino? I'm still in in the dark. Well, here here we go. It says, how were these ratings determined? New Jersey Casino survey identified Virginia as the state best prepared to withstand an invasion from space. The state deemed to be least equipped to deal with a close encounter was Nevada, home of Area 51, which has long been the subject of USO conspiracy theories. Kansas had a survivability score of 7.4 compared to the 8.04 of Virginia. Reasons the Sunflower State finished in the upper third include the presence of plenty of soldiers to protect it and the above-average number of caves in which to hide. New Jersey Casino determined ratings using a points-based index calculated using metrics that include population density, number of UFO sightings, the presence of forest and caves, food manufacturing data, and presence of medical professionals. In caves, there isn't a fucking tree in the whole state. <laughs> Colin, I, I... I mean, literally, if you're spider in your spaceship, is it going to be easier to shoot a guy who runs the woods or a guy sh- running through Kansas? I don't want to ruffle any feathers here, but 
when I hear the metrics that were used to determine these statistics, I can't help feel like maybe the Rock M Nation Excel spreadsheet used to determine that Conzo Martin was leading the basketball team in the right direction was using similar scale of mathematics. Sometimes the math... Stelling has now left Rock M Nation working for a casino in New Jersey. Congratulations, Kansas. <laughs> I think it's worth noting that uh, Missouri in this poll finished eighth in survivability. So uh, nice, nice. Yeah, we got a crackpot weird poll that means nothing. We did great. Yeah. <laughs> so when the Martians attack, come to Missouri, avoid Kansas, despite their multiple caves, apparently, and lack of trees. Con, I'm sure you heard at this point that the Kansas Jayhawks hosted the Oklahoma Sooners in football over the weekend, and a result you might not have expected, Kansas was the victor. What a season. What a season. I mean, it was not what I would have expected. In fact, I lost money gambling on Oklahoma to win big against the Kansas Jayhawks, but it was not to be. I cannot believe it. Number six, Oklahoma went down to the then unranked Kansas Jayhawks. And frankly, it was almost comfortable. Jayhawks won 38 to 33. They're now six and two, three and two in the Big 12. And Oklahoma falls to seven and one, no longer undefeated, four and one in conference play. What a weird turn of events. Got to be one of the biggest wins, upsets in the history of Kansas football ever, I would say. It's amazing, too. I saw a picture of the crowd, which there basically was none. Like, their team is having the best season it's had in years. They're going to they're beat Oklahoma, and virtually no one saw it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, I mean, would you go? I mean, of course not. Brennan and I don't go to Kansas for any reason. Yeah. But I certainly wouldn't go for a Kansas Jayhawks football game. I mean, it's not the hotspot for football, though. I mean, does this win over number 6 Oklahoma give you any fear? Like, if Missouri and Kansas were to play this year head-to-head, how do you think it would go? Well, Brennan, I honestly, I think Kansas is pretty good. I think they're Kentucky good, you know. I think, you know, they could play with Missouri for a little while, but I don't honestly have much concerns that Missouri would really have any trouble putting them away. I'm sure Kansas fans would disagree, but Kansas is playing better football, and they are competitive, but Missouri's pretty good this year. I don't think that Kansas is going to uh, hold up. I mean, I think Oklahoma probably pretty obviously overlooked them and got caught in a trap. It's a trap! Yeah, it's uh, it's always weird when we report Kansas news and we report a victory. I still don't know who their coach is. Nobody knows who their coach is, Colin. There's no way to it's know. Gandalf. I, it's Gandalf. It's got to be Gandalf. <laughs> he's a wizard. He uh, gets him in the locker room. He's like, boys, don't deal out death and judgment. Even the very wise cannot see all ends. When he walks into the locker room for the halftime speech, the quarterback runs the other direction. And he goes, I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help you. <laughs> That's right. Well, all right, Colin. I think, uh, obviously, Mizzou didn't play over the weekend since they won the bye. But uh, there were douches out there, and I think we already sort of hedged who we wanted to nominate for our douche of the week. It's the TJ Moe douche of the week. Let's not start cutting that off. That's right. It's TJ Moe's douche of the week. Well, Colin, obviously, we, for those of you who don't know, we've named this award the TJ Moe Douche of the Week because TJ Moe, former slot receiver, much beloved at the University of Missouri, took a sharp turn for douchebaggery as he started to 
out some of his former players for not being fully prepared for games, accusing them of it. I shouldn't say he outed them. They weren't necessarily. He accused James Franklin of being butthurt about his girlfriend breaking up with him, and that's why they lost a bowl game. Many things like that. You know, stuff that you don't turn on your locker room if you're a team, things that you things that should stay in the locker room. TJ Moe in his thirst, endless. Yeah, he's a thirsty bitch. His endless thirst for clout. Uh, will say anything about anybody he ever played with, and all of his teammates hate his guts. And that's why he's in the namesake for the TJ Mo douche of the week. So, Colin, uh, yeah, we mentioned this guy from Georgia, Dog Nation's Mike Griffith, who went on the Paul Feinbaum show. Let's just play a little bit of what he had to say about Missouri. Been Eli Drinkwitz that you're you're buttering up these days. He's going to have his shot oh, in this stadium what, what, here. Uh, in a what, uh, what, uh, what, what's your what's your beef with Eli Drinkwitz? I, I don't have a beef, I mean, but I've seen it a just, million times. Uh, I just sideswiped the guys who are driving down the street I, here. No, I mean, I've seen it a million times. You build these guys up, and then and then when they lose, you tear them down. And everybody's trying to turn drink into the next Nick Savings. Look, he's won a couple of games. Let's not get carried away with Eli Drink. I, I, again, I, I, made the, I was one of the first people that said, is he a genius? Is he a nerd? Is he a cool guy? He's looking pretty cool. He's looking like a genius. But let's not get carried away with the Nick Saban comparisons, Paul. I mean, even for you, that's... Hey, 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 uh, uh, Griff, first of all, it was a caller who called in and said he's the young Nick Saban. I never said that. Okay. You did say he was the early candidate for SEC Coach of the Year. And I think he is. (laughs) Yeah, well, meanwhile, you got a guy here that's won 24 in a row. That's fantastic. He Uh, he started out as the number one team in the country. Drink uh, was expected to win six or seven games. He started out with the number one team in the country. Do you see what's on? The, you got a quarterback that's making his eighth career start, right? You, you can't. You couldn't even tell right, me Griff, who their leading I, receiver listen, is. Listen, right I've now. been to Athens. I know because I saw you. I, I don't need a primer on Kirby Smart. I, I know who he is. Well, let's try not turn this Georgia team though into last year's of the year. I'm not, I'm not doing I mean, anything. I I'm just. I, I was just wondering why you just kind of sideswiped Eli Drinkwitz. Uh, I mean, I, I just. I, I mean, the guy, and you know, acting like uh, I've created something out of, out of cloth. I mean, I think right now he's a legitimate SEC Coach of the Year candidate. Now, the most impressive thing he's done is lead LSU for a few quarters, and I don't even think he won that game. So let's find – I'm from the show – you know, I, I'm from – what do they used to say? I'm from the show-me state. you got to show me. I mean, okay, they did get a ranked win over Kansas State, and at that time the SEC was desperate for any kind of out-of-conference success, but – you know, let's see what's ahead for Missouri. Now, this was a team that was beating Georgia by 10 points last yeah. year at home uh, before, <clears throat> excuse me, the choke factor. They're at home before they blew that game last year. This is a team that returned more than anybody else in terms of production in the SEC and maybe top two or three in the country. Look, the table said, and, and I like Cook, I, I like what Eli's done. I just think it's dangerous to mention him in the same uh, breath. Uh, uh, listen, Saban. Griff, it may be dangerous for you, but it's not dangerous for me. I, I feel pretty comfortable saying what I did about it, Eli uh, Drinkwitz. What I don't like is having you put words in my mouth from a caller, but that's beside the point. <laughs> well, I just remembered how excited you were a few weeks ago when you said he was the early candidate for SEC Coach of the Year, and I just I thought to myself, when is Kirby going to win a national coach? You tell me, Paul. What does Kirby Smart got? He wins all the games. Well, he's supposed to win all the games. But at what point did he win Coach of the Year for winning all the It just hasn't happened. I just don't understand the, the left-handed compliments. For You know, you say he's supposed to win, but when I look at his team, the inexperience is, is it's scary to me. Listen, like, Griff, you know, I, realize, yeah, I realize your job is to, to promote Kirby Smart. My job is to try to no. conduct a talk show here uh, without, <laughs> without uh, this propaganda every Thursday. 
Well, it, it's really not to promote. Cur- anyway, that's enough. You get anyway, the picture. Yeah. Sounds like he uh, sounds like he wants a uh, award to go to Kirby Smart on top of the obvious blowjobs this guy's giving Kirby Smart regularly. <laughs> That's right. His lips were quite chapped while he put on that little show. It wasn't necessarily the fact that he was dogging on Eli Drinkwitz. His point being that Eli hasn't done much yet this year, and that Kirby Smart all he does is win. But in all the accolades belong to Georgia. Yeah. No one's allowed. No one else is allowed any. That's right. How dare you turn a program around in one year? You know, that's not it. That doesn't make any difference. Can't you be happy enough with a national championship? Conference titles? Yeah, when is Kirby Smart going to get his due, Brennan? I think everybody's sleeping on Kirby Smart. Yeah, it's about time somebody said Kirby Smart is a good coach on the Paul Feinbaum show. I wish somebody show. pay some attention to Georgia. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, fuck, what's Georgia got to do to get some pub? Yeah, he's a real piece of shit, this uh, Griffith guy, whoever he is. <laughs> and uh, besides being a huge piece of shit, he's also the TJMO Douche of the Week. Douche of the Week. Pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. All right, Colin, we had a big show. We had uh, Chris Doring. We had Barry Odom. We had a in-depth Georgia preview. I am pretty excited about Saturday, i got to admit. I'm too excited. Yeah. The little voice yep. inside me. Quite a- Quite a bye week show. <laughs> yeah, considering some have just gone unrecorded altogether. Yep, that's right. <laughs> so, okay, Colin, I uh, I guess we should give some predictions since we are doing sort of a preview bye week show. Uh, what do you think this is going to look like? Gosh. Uh, <laughs> oh. I am going to say Georgia 31, Mizzou 24. Okay. Well, here's what I'm going to do, Colin. Okay. All right. I'm going to say Missouri, 34, Georgia, 28. Wow. Wow. Big stuff. It's that little voice inside of me that breaks my fucking heart yeah. and is wrong every time. That guy's poison. I'm going to tell you, I've been trying to tell you, you should get that guy removed. That's not a little person. Uh, that's not optimism. It's a tumor, <laughs> and it will kill you. <laughs> it's growing. It is growing this year as the season winds up. 34 to 20. Shut the fuck up. You know you're going to be wrong. Anyway. That's what I'm going to say. We're all going to laugh at it on Sunday morning. Till then, Colin. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. We flirted with the pink before, but we've always ended up in the stink. (laughs) 